Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We meet every Sunday exploring the practical, transforming, and relevant teaching of the Bible by doing life together. Visit our website at crosspointonline.org to learn more. Now, get ready for a powerful message from God's Word. All right, I hope that no matter what your plans are uh, for this coming week, that you have a blessed Thanksgiving. Uh, and, uh, you know, the very purpose of it is to reflect on all that we have to be thankful for. And uh, we certainly do. And so my encouragement to you uh, is to enter uh, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise because we are truly, truly blessed. And the blessings that God ha- continues to shower on us uh, is for the purpose of leading us to the blesser himself. Uh, one p- specific request for you, though, I mean, if this is God's will and his plans, so, you know, our family will be going down to, to Grady again and helping Debbie with the uh, Thanksgiving Day uh, lunch. But, you know, we've got the spacing and all that kind of stuff. So we're praying for no rain. So join me in praying for no rain in Grady, Alabama, uh, at least right there at that particular spot, because we'd like to have some outside seating uh, so that we can spread it out and get those folks uh, on in there. So, all right. Any uh, great announcements uh, from uh, that you you, you want to make the the body aware of here? Yay, God! Oh me! All right. All right. So, Felicia's all pixelated because uh, trimmed up the old beard. Um, yeah, I lost thousands of dollars, though, and uh, yeah, people wanted me to be Santa, and uh, so I had to just, because her wish is my command, and so I, yeah, I did this uh, for her birthday. Hey, um, by the way, uh, we want to hear from you. Uh, we want to hear from you, Facebook family. We want to hear from you, uh, Zoom folks and uh, in-person folks, And but the way we do it now during this COVID season is uh, via online www.crosspointonline.org forward slash connect. And that's the way uh, you can communicate with us. Uh, uh, And I just want to encourage you to do that so we can continue to do life and ministry together. All right, as we've already said, this is the day the Lord has made. And uh, we are so grateful to be able to join together to come and to worship Him. He uh, truly deserves our worship so I'm going to ask that uh, you uh, grab your Bibles uh, or your Bible app on your phone. Zoom family, grab a Bible. We continue to be in this series uh, uh, entitled Real Faith for Rough Times. Um, Real Faith for Rough Times. And I hope that uh, uh, my prayer for you today is that you've come here today uh, just uh, opening your mind and your heart to receive what it is that God wants to reveal to you uh, as we continue to see him uh, bring about the fruit of his Holy Spirit, because these are rough days. These are desperate days in which we need to clearly differentiate ourselves uh, from the rest of the world. And uh, James left off last week by saying real faith is one that keeps uh, yourself from being polluted by the world. And we're going to see the first expression of that as we read a pretty lengthy passage today. 
uh, in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And it's here that we see uh, the emphasis on mercy and how mercy triumphs over judgment. So read along with me as we go to the book of James in this series, Real Faith for Rough Times. James begins by saying, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised to those who love Him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into courts? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of Him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. With God's word fresh on our minds, let's go to him in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity that we have to come before you. Lord, we acknowledge that we need thee. And as the, hymn, the great hymn of the past says, we need every hour we need you. And so we just come before you and, and acknowledge that, proclaim our dependence on you today and ask Holy Spirit that you open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see as you see to see not only you, but also to see the condition of our hearts and our lives, to see the adjustments that you're calling us to make today so that not only would we experience your continued re redemptive work in our lives, but so that, Lord, that we are prepared and equipped and ready to be your salt and light in a world that is heading in the opposite direction of you. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you are glorified through your living word today and our response to it. For we make it in our prayer, uh, our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here is a powerful passage, perhaps uh, very, um, you know, something that you run across on many occasions. But James, uh, as pastor of the uh, church there in uh, Jerusalem, uh, is coming with a the pastoral heart, and, and he is uh, really exposing a problem, not only in that day, but a problem that has really grown in our day. Um, 
He comes after, I mentioned after, he says, don't be polluted by the world. He gives us, starting in, cha in chapter 2, an example of how we can be very, very polluted. And he's not talking about the, the kinds of uh, sins or kinds of actions that most of us would attribute to being really bad. You know, like murder or stealing or, you know, uh, rape or adultery or whatever the case is. He's not talking about that. The very first example that he uses right here, he says, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus, don't show favoritism. So it's here that he is exposing a root issue of motives in our life. It's here that he's saying this right here, uh, seeing this and, and, and living in this way will lead to all of the other stuff. He's just right out of the gate just saying, don't show favoritism. Don't be prejudiced. Don't discriminate. He's saying this is a problem. And uh, as we come here and sit here today, we know that it was not just a problem there. It is a problem here and now. You know, we have this problem. And, uh, you know, growing up here in the South, most of, you know, most of us did. That, that's um, not essential that you had to, to, to be hearing or listening or, or being a part. You know, we are right here uh, in the cradle you know, I grew up, you know, here in the cradle of the civil rights movement. And which is an acknowledgement there is a problem. Prejudice, discrimination, uh, is, it, you know, has always been an issue. And quite honestly, as we look at our world system, it is set up uh, to promote discrimination. We think about it. But we know that it's a problem and that it is not a good thing. That matter of fact, it is an evil thing. And uh, so there's been ex uh, extreme efforts, you know, with our laws, uh, with legislation, with ordinances, with all kinds of things, especially here, extreme efforts to eliminate prejudice, to eliminate discrimination. Why? Because we know that it's wrong. We know that it's bad. But the reality is, is that it's still here. Even with all of these efforts, Laws, legislation, all of the attention on how bad discrimination and prejudice and favoritism and all of that is, it's still a problem. Matter of fact, it seems to be even growing. Such a divisive time. And so it's here that I think that James is helping all of us understand that really the issue is a problem of the heart. It's a heart problem. Laws will not change this. Uh, legislation, you know, it can it can try to, you know, herd it up a little bit, but it's a heart problem that James is talking about. And so he's going, what do we do about this? And so it's here that he gives us an illustration in these first five verses uh, of church life because he says right there, he says, my brothers, you know, as believers in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, so he's talking to the Christian community. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to believers, followers. He says, my brothers and sisters. And we see that expression throughout the book of James. But he's saying uh, here as followers of Jesus Christ, those whose lives have been transformed by Jesus Christ, he says right here out of the gate, don't show favoritism. Don't do it. Uh, and so my prayer today is, is that 
that God would use this time to, to really shine His light and His truth into our hearts so that we can see where we are. Because we are living in this world, but Jesus says, don't be of the world. You know, don't live like the world. And only through the grace and mercy and truth and power of Jesus Christ can we not be tainted by that. So that can be our prayer. Lord, change my heart. Change my heart, oh God. You know, and so it's here he says, as a church example, you know, if you're at church, suppose a man comes in to your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And uh, in, in that particular expression, it says, I mean, he is, he's got a lot of bling bling. He's got a lot of bling bling on. I mean, he is gold up. Uh, and he says, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. I don't know what your translation says, but basically it is, you know, someone comes in off the street stinking. You know, so you got you got two extremes here. This the, this person that comes in that is demonstrating their wealth and their riches, a lot of bling bling. Somebody else that comes in that I mean, it's not just like oh, I don't necessarily that doesn't really go. We're not talking about it. We're talking about somebody that's coming in and with stinky raggedy clothes. All right. He says, uh, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, oh, okay, yeah, you stand over here or you can sit at the feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts, saying you're, you're, you're just an evil judge? I mean, you're not dispensing justice at all. And so he's exposing a problem right here. Now, some for some of us, it's a little bit hard to, for us to relate to, especially what's going on there in, in the New Testament culture in the Roman Empire at that particular time. Historians tell us that, uh, you know, at that time in the Roman Empire, about 2% of the population was rich. 2% was rich. And 98% was poor. There was no middle class. So you got the rich and you got the poor. There was, uh, in that day, there was no such thing. And again, it's hard for us to relate to. Uh, there was no such thing as climbing the social ladder. You were either rich and born into it because of the class or the family or the location, or you're poor. And by poor, it means that you were struggling to make ends meet, to have the necessities of life. And so he is... Uh, coming to this particular place in this scripture and uh, revealing th that there is this great issue of discrimination that can capture the human heart and in a heartbeat. Now, most of as we're looking at this, most of the Christians uh, that he is speaking to here were poor. Now, one reason for that is because most of the people were poor, 98%. And so he's given this example of you've got these people that have all of their needs met, you know, uh, just over, with overabundance. And you've got these people that are poor, under-resourced. They don't have the necessities. And, uh, and so he's saying now, as followers of Jesus Christ, if someone comes in, uh, and I know you can't relate, if someone comes in and it's very clear that they have more 
so much resources, so much wealth. Uh, don't be tempted or don't be enamored by that thinking, woo, that, they could probably help us take a step up. You know, they might be able to help us right here. And so the tendency is, you know, the human nature is to cater to them. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. But at the same time, you also going, uh, I'm not sure what this person is going to be able to do to me because they're poor. They're in shabby clothes, stanky clothes. Uh, so it's exposing this this exposing this tendency in our lives that we relate to people based on what they can do for us. And he's saying, don't do it. Coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ reverses the status of the world. And what we are seeing here, he's saying, brothers and sisters, everyone, everyone is viewed the same in God's eyes. Now, we, we throw that out. You know, we're all created by God. We're all created for God. Uh, but we're all created with worth. But every, what, what James is saying here is extremely countercultural in that day and this day because our world is set up to almost promote discrimination. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. Uh, but um, as we look at this, he's saying you treat every single person with dignity, love, respect and acceptance. Uh, don't look at how you in a relationship with somebody else can get an advantage because of that relationship. Now, let's just bring this home for us. Now, uh, I know that uh, for those here, most of us live around here in this North Fulton area. Uh, most of you on, uh, on Zoom, same thing. Some of you in uh, Facebook, are here, others are in Texas and Alabama, Florida, wherever the case may be. But I would say that perhaps all of us are in that kind of same boat in that we live, especially here in one of the wealthiest, you know, highest per capita places, not only in the state of Georgia, but in the country and therefore the world. So there, it's kind of hard for us to relate to this poverty deal. Now, now, not all of us, you know, are, 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 you know, that kind of wealthy, but there's a lot of rich people. There's a lot of famous people. There's a lot of, you know, powerful people that, that live right here, right now, all around us. And uh, so often, and, and, and you've probably never done this, but so often uh, we, we kind of function and, and, and add value to our lives because of, you know, who we know. You know, we, we kind of live, we, name dropping, you know, it's, we live in that who you know culture. And therefore we think it adds value to our lives. But God is saying, that's a sin. We're going to see where he said, that's, that's just sinful right there. That whole attitude, that whole way of, of looking at it and measuring. Uh, matter of fact, in Leviticus, it tells us don't show favoritism, not toward the rich, but it also don't show favoritism even to the poor. Look at Leviticus 19, 15. It says you know, don't do it either way. It's a level playing field when it comes to uh, our worth and our value and our dignity. I heard uh, uh, of uh, Tyler Perry was interviewed one time, and uh, 
And uh, in that, he was asked about his faith. He says, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and they followed that up and said, well, where, where's your church? Where do you go to church? And he hung his head. He says, I don't go to church. He said, because I would run it. I don't know, but, uh, you know, sometimes we make a big to-do about the real wealthy people in our churches or the famous people in our churches uh, are the powerful people in our churches. And what James is saying and what God is saying, I'll have none of that. that, that that's, that's not the Christ life. And yet, you know, uh, I, I mean, I've been, I, I've done that. I'm, you know, it's even like, uh, even here, you know, we've had some people, you know, that, um, uh, are kind of famous or maybe a, a professional athlete or a collegiate athlete or, you know, somebody, and, 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 you know, they've written a book or something. You want to go get them to get their autograph and all that kind of stuff. And, and yet God says, when it, when it comes to here, this, this is where people can um, just put all that aside and worship the one true living God, you know, to, as one person said, it cast off the burdens of being famous or wealthy. Um, that's, you know, we've always heard that the, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Absolutely level. So um, it's here that he, he has given us an example of what real faith looks like. Uh, real faith, uh, a faith that is uh, genuine in our walk with Jesus Christ in verses uh, 5 through 7, look what he says. He says, listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised for those who love him? Now, what, what this is saying is not that, you know, if you're poor, then you're automatically saved. That's not, that's not what it's saying there. Uh, and it's not saying that if you're rich, you're, you're automatically saved. It has nothing to do, that, do with it. But it's a, really a play on words right here. Has God not chosen, chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He's promised for those who love Him? And what this is pointing us to is, is this condition of, of the heart, what it means to be and, and that relationship with Jesus Christ is that real faith moves toward the poor. Uh, not, not moves away, not withdraws, not saying, uh, yeah, you've got you know, what you deserve. No, that's world thing. So he's challenging us here. He's saying, you know, real faith moves toward the poor. You know, uh, down through history, you know, people... Uh, poor people have been more eager to come to faith in Christ. Why is that? Because uh, poor people see the value of the gospel. Poor people know that this world's wealth and riches don't last. Poor people know that there's a need to depend on God, not just for salvation, but daily depend on God for their provision. And so... Um, the reality is, is that even though that we are blessed beyond measure, and therefore my encouragement to all of us is to, you know, um, <clears throat> shower, you know, God with, with gratitude and thanks for how we are blessed. 
You know, most, most Christians still today uh, are poor people. Really, I mean, you think about, you know, you think about the Southern Hemisphere uh, where uh, all, of, all of these in, in, in Africa and, and Asia and all this, you know, are, are poor people, are poor people. And so it's here that he is saying, you know, real faith, uh, uh, one that is walking with Jesus Christ is not looking out for your own needs, but it is one that is moving that's going to be like Jesus and move toward the poor. That can be convicting, can it? You know, the temptation, you know, uh, for the wealthy, he's showing the temptation for those who are wealthy, and that's all of us. Now, some of us are more wealthy than others, but that's all of us. Why? Because, you know, we got food to eat, you know, we got a, a, house, a roof over our heads, and we got clothes to put on, and, and, and we got vehicle, you know, get around in and stuff like that. You know, the temptation is for us to be self-sufficient and not need God. Uh, one of my friends calls, calls it self-savers. We are, our tendency is to be self-savers. You know, where you've heard, we've heard the expression, pull myself up by my own bootstrap, you know, uh, or think about this. We go and look at our culture. You know, I, I, I have always had good grades I went to the right school. I did everything that was needed to get the better job. I, I, I. But here he says, do you not know that God chose the poor to be rich in faith? So what he's pointing to here is this, that when we come to a place of dependence and recognition that not only are we moving more toward God, but, but that is expressed as we move toward the poor, not, not with just a, you know, a handout or not just with a benevolent thought, but that we move that way. Uh, that's the reason one of our partners moved from up here, you know, North Fulton, moved down to one of the hardest hit, inner city areas, you know, and he's, he's whiter than I am, you know, and maybe not as many freckles, uh, uh, move into the same neighborhood, uh, do life together in the same life group, uh, to eat together, to do life together rather than move away from, you know, uh, actually some of the ministries that are needed in this area, is very difficult to have because it affects you know, property values. I understand all that, but here's the deal. Here's the the deal. Real faith moves toward the poor, and that's quite honestly one of one of the reasons that we partnered uh, we partnered up with Dave Pridemore and Camp Grace, where the gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives one life at a time uh, through inner city kids. Those uh, that. Uh, really are underserved and under-resourced. That's one of the reasons we've been uh, almost every week uh, talking up and taking steps very intentionally and prayerfully as far as partnering with Homestretch, moving toward the poor, not away from, not, you know, having this parallel existence, but saying, God, real faith, Jesus moves that way. And if we have real faith, we are too. 
And that's the reason I've said that, you know, in doing this, we're not just kind of checking a box, a God box. But if doing in doing this, if we're not different as a result of that, then we've missed it. We missed the point. And, and also, if they're not dif- different uh, as a result of, uh, of doing life together and moving in this way. So real faith will develop a heart for the poor. And we're thinking, man, my heart and my attention is on what the next thing is that I can get to make my life better. But real faith, real faith is saying, what's going on around me? And how can I resource those? So what does that look like? What does that look like, having a heart for the poor? Uh, Look with me, beginning with verse 8. He says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. Now, you know, that was preceded, you know, with Jesus saying that the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, in doing that, then that allows us to truly love our neighbor. He says, now, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin. He's saying, that's a sin. And it says, and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking them all. You know, and we, we, you know, we have a tendency, you know, if all I do is show a little discrimination and favoritism, prejudice and all that kind of stuff, then I think I'm going to be all right. Not, nope. Look, look what he says. He says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he said, do not commit murder. Also said... Uh, uh, adultery also said, "Do not commit a murder." Now, now we're getting into things that we, you know, that we oftentimes as Christian moralists, you know, we go, "Okay, if I don't do, you know, if I don't smoke, cuss, drink, or chew, or hang around with folks who do, I'm gonna be okay." Uh, no, he's saying that if we show favoritism, we sin, and he's saying that that <laughs> doing this breaks our fellowship with God the same as these destructive things that, you know, we classify as really destructive. It has as just a harsh effect on our relationship with God and our faith as adultery and murder. And we're going, "Ah, I don't want like that. He goes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, what do we do about it? I mean, it's been going on throughout history. Uh, we see how our country right now is plagued with, with, with this self-serving, self-saving <laughs> lifestyle, a mindset. What do we do about it? Uh, and he, I think he shows us right here in the last couple of verses. Verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives what? Freedom. Freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, So I think that what he's saying here is, you know, there's a problem. There's a problem. There was a problem in that day. And as we had look at our own lives, we can say, Lord, show me. Um, 
show me my heart. Open my eyes that I may see how I'm living. Am I living as a cultural Christian or am I, or am I demonstrating real faith? And what he's saying here is that the response is of real faith. What real faith looks like is acts of mercy. Acts of mercy. Um, that's the fruit of real faith. Um, wh what, does that, what does that look like? There's a, couple, there's a couple examples that Jesus gives as far as uh, how that is displayed and how it's demonstrated. He gives the, the one of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. I don't know if you read that one lately, you know, but the sheep and the goats and, and where he comes in and, and he separates them. And, uh, uh, you know, the sheep are those who were demonstrating that acts of mercy, real faith. The goats went, well, hey, we were doing some of that too. And they go, get away, I never knew you. What is it saying? It's saying that it's very easy for us to deceive ourselves. The Bible even talks about that and trying to do these acts to put us in good standing with God. Acts of mercy does not save us, you know, but acts of mercy is a fruit of truly being transformed by God. And it's here that he's saying mercy triumphs over judgment. Uh, a, the, the, the remedy there is that of mercy and what it really looks like. Now, one good example and somebody that has demonstrated that uh, from day one since I've known them is Pastor Jack Jones. And, uh, the, and it's really through the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, there's uh, the passage. As a matter of fact, you might want to turn there. Uh, Zoom folks, Facebook folks, you might want to turn there because I think this is a beautiful display as far as uh, what that means and what, what he's talking about there in, in, this, uh, in, in, in those latter verses right there. Luke chapter 10. Uh, so, uh, you know... This young man was wanting to know, you know, how to, to really live uh, and to be accepted. And so Jesus gives this example in verse 30 of Luke 10. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going. And you could put a Christian, an American Christian, a cultural Christian, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side uh, because he had a lot of important spiritual stuff to do. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by where? On the other side. Moved away from. Moved away from. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And when he went to him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these, Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And then you see, 
you see what James is getting out through this reply. The expert of the law said, the one who had mercy on him. What, what mercy is, is not just an attitude, but it shows up in very tangible ways. Mercy comes uh, with a price. And we see that in the life of Jesus. There's an expense to it. But see, God has blessed us so that we can what? Bless others, lead people to them. And so it is this crazy uh, mindset, world thing, America thing that we got, we got to get this and we, and we got to can it and we got to protect it. And we got to, you know, all this stuff. But God's saying, no, no, no. I want you, uh, I'm blessing you in this way so that you can demonstrate the real faith and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus turns the mindset of world think upside down. And this is what real faith looked like. It's financial. It's uh, physical. It's very practical in the way we respond. Wow. Wow. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I can see the truth of my faith. So my question is, how, how have you measured up to this real faith? And, and it may be that some of you are thinking, whew, Pastor Mike, I just got to be honest. I don't feel like that, and I don't act like that. I, you know, Quite honestly, I just I'm just compelled to uh, to move away from. I don't want to get. What does that say about my faith? Well, it it, it I don't I, I you got to ask God. Only He knows. But it it could be that that He's saying you know there's a cultural faith, and there, there's a a self saving kind of faith, and then there's the one that comes and surrenders before the Lord and say, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Come and give me your freedom, your life. Forgive me of, of, of what I've tried to do, and I want to accept and trust my life to you. And as he comes into our life, see, he lives his life through us, and you're always going to see Jesus moving to, not away from, Two, not away from. I don't know. You know, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of that to you. But also, ask the Holy Spirit to continue to do in our church body that which will be a demonstration of real faith in tough times. That will be a demonstration of His love and grace as He continues to transform us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had to just sit at your feet. We thank you for your life-giving word here. And there's some of us, Lord, we're just kind of feeling a little bit convicted because, uh, Lord, we've seen that the trajectory of our lives has been moving away from because we've been so conditioned by world think the American uh, mentality. We've been so conditioned, uh, Lord, by uh, those around us. 
And we just ask, Lord, that you would now reveal what you would have us do. And if it's to place our faith in you, saying that we, you, oh God, we, we've been doing the self-saving Christian thing instead of truly coming to a real faith in you, Lord, that you would bring us into that relationship today and that, that we would respond today. For, Lord, us as followers of yours, Lord, we just confess that too often, Lord, that we have self-serving lifestyles and we're looking to the next thing that can satisfy us rather than what can bring you glory. Our prayer today is uh, expose that. We come and we offer it. We lay it down and we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done in our life, in our church, in our community and world today. As we trust you all for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CCC Roswell. Learn more and find ways to get plugged in at Crosspoint by visiting our website, crosspointonline.org. There, you could drop us a line or submit a prayer request. Like what you hear? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.